Nothing nurtures the world above better than the soil below, and that's why I am so excited to introduce you to Coast of Maine. Coast of Maine is an organic soil brand that offers a full range of products designed to cover all of your garden and lawn needs. In years past, my vegetable garden, I neglected the soil and I didn't have much yield. If your soil lacks appropriate nutrients for success, your garden may not succeed. And so this year, I am so excited to cultivate the soil before planting the plants with Coast of Maine's organic products. Coast of Maine believes in nurturing relationships with local retailers, so next time you're at your local retailer, look for Coast of Maine products. Get growing. Visit coastofmaine.com to find a local retailer near you, coastofmaine.com. You're listening to episode 50 of the Sustainable Minimalists podcast. You are listening to the Sustainable Minimalist Podcast, a show about living simply and sustainably with your family. Here's your host, Stephanie Safarian. Hello there and welcome back and thank you for joining me for my 50th episode, Smorgasbord Celebration. And I'm calling it a Smorgasbord Celebration because number one, Smorgasbord is the best word in the whole world. And the second reason is because we have an awful lot to celebrate. We're celebrating the 50th episode of this show. We're celebrating a year of diligent, sustainable, minimalist podcasting. And perhaps most humbling, we are celebrating 100,000 downloads. I cannot believe my voice has been listened to 100,000 times. That's nuts. But here we are. On today's show, we're going to do a couple things. And I've organized the show into three acts. Act one is a behind-the-scenes look at this podcast I divulge what I'm trying to accomplish. I'm divulging why I started it. I know I've mentioned little tidbits here and there throughout the last 49 episodes, but I'm going to get a little bit more personal than I ever have before in Act 1. In Act 2, you will hear some familiar voices. That's because some of our favorite podcast guests are back on the show to offer their best words of wisdom for everyone looking to live more minimally, more sustainably, or more simply. I invited all my previous guests to come back on the show for this smorgasbord celebration, and 12 of them generously accepted. So thank you to them. Finally, in Act 3, I am giving you some hints on what's to come in the new year. Spoiler alert, it's really good. And finally, I am calling you to action. So here we are, act one. I've mentioned many times how minimalism came first for me. It was the only thing that simplified my life and calmed my anxiety after my first daughter was born. Minimalism really was a game changer. I thought I was a proud minimalist, so I joined a few Facebook groups for minimalists, and it was really disheartening for me to realize that the people in those groups weren't my tribe, as wonderful as they are. They just weren't my people. And that's because the bulk of the conversations in these groups were about decluttering and about throwing away perfectly good stuff. 
The conversations never centered on the environmental impact of ultraconsumerism. So the root of the problem in my eyes was never, ever discussed. I couldn't really see the point in minimizing, then buying, then minimizing, only to buy more. It felt like a hamster wheel of consumerism, and I just wanted off of it. So I felt even more confused when I realized that my tribe wasn't in the zero waste and the non-consumer groups either, because in these groups, there was little talk of minimalism, especially how minimalism applies to mental space, emotional clutter, relationships, sustainable decisions, and aspirational eco-friendly living was placed into one of two categories, either right or wrong, black or white. To compound this a little bit further, I felt as though minimalism and sustainability have the same root, and that's conscious consumerism. It felt natural to discuss these issues simultaneously, at least for me. It was around then that I had two epiphanies. The first was that I'm actually not just a minimalist. I'm really not. And I'm not just a low-waster environmentalist either. I'm a sustainable minimalist who believes in incremental changes for a lasting benefit. So that's the first epiphany. The second epiphany was that If no big name in the world is talking about what I want to hear about, then it's on me to step up and do it myself. Now, I have always loved to write. Before my kids, I was a literature teacher and I was reading these amazing books of fiction all day long. It was my dream to one day write like my heroes. So, On a complete whim and without having any actual idea about the technical side of starting a blog, I started one. I had had just given birth to my second daughter and she was like a godsend in terms of easy babies. She was so much easier than my first child and she really just kind of slept all day. So I had plenty of time to make a simple website and write about my dual loves of minimalism and sustainability. But shortly after, I realized that I was 10 years too late to the blogging game. Blogging is very 2008. I started this in 2017. So, okay, nine years too late, right? I would spend hours crafting the perfect blog post. I would agonize over every single word. And then I would agonize hours more into figuring out how to upload this thing to the World Wide Web, make it look attractive. And all these hours were essentially wasted because literally nobody except for my mother and my sister was reading my writing. It was such a letdown. So I don't know how I got this crazy idea to start a podcast, but I'm a zero to Oprah type of gal. I got the idea in my head and I decided, heck yes, let's do a podcast. How hard can it be? I already had the content written on the blog that no one's reading. So why not just say it into a microphone, essentially? Isn't that really what a podcast is? My hope was that I would reach more people through a different medium, a medium that actually people are digesting in rapid numbers, which of course is podcasting. 
I named my new podcast, The Sustainable Minimalist, solely for keyword recognition and SEO. If I could go back and jazz the name up, I totally would, by the way. But I assumed it was all fun and games and little work. Boy, was I wrong. I look back on those early days and I really laugh because what else can I do? I laugh at my blissful ignorance. I also cringe at how bad those first episodes were. Like, why was I talking so slow? If anybody can tell me why I was talking so slow, let me know. Anyway, something I didn't count on in the early days of the podcast was how the medium plays to my strengths. Now, if you know me in real life, if we ever went out for a cup of coffee or a glass of wine, the first thing you would notice about me is that I'm an extrovert through and through. I've got a take it or leave it type of personality, and I absolutely adore talking to strangers. It's kind of like this awkward quirk. But in this regard, podcasting is the perfect medium for me because the thing I love best about the podcast is the ability to talk to strangers all over the world who have so much more knowledge than I do. Now, if you're wondering, the one aspect of podcasting that totally stinks for me, totally stinks, is the editing. I dream of the day when I can pay someone to take out all the ums and the awkward pauses and the inappropriate laughter. But until then, I do it myself and I don't enjoy any of it. Finally, one thing that is completely or was completely surprising to me is the need for me now to post regularly on social media. Before this podcast, I had a Facebook account, but I never updated it, and I didn't use any other social media sites. These days, I'm posting regularly everywhere, and I'm posting honestly about my personal life, and it, it's kind of unsettling, but it's also kind of neat. I don't know. It's, it's, a weird, it's a weird thing. I don't love how social media chains me to technology, but that's another story for another day. Now, quickly, a few other random sustainable minimalist podcast facts. I record in my dingy basement because that's where the sound quality is weirdly best. My daughters play with my cool microphone and sometimes record themselves. Finally, my husband does not listen to all my episodes. Next up is act two. Enjoy the words of wisdom that you haven't heard before from my previous podcast guests in no particular order. Hi, I'm Carla Brown. I was the guest on episode 37 called When Sustainability and Imagination Collide. In that episode, we talked about how you can balance the goals of creative reuse of materials without overloading your home. My tip relates to broken electronic items like radios, computers, clocks, coffee machines, or remote-controlled toys. When these items break, it's challenging to know what to do with them. My tip is take them apart. There are many benefits to taking apart broken electronics and machines. You can learn more about how things work. You can get lots of supplies like tiny screws, nuts, and bolts. You can get little colorful parts called resistors that look like beads to make into jewelry. You might be able to find a place to recycle the components of the machine once the metal and plastic are separated. And if you do the activity as a family, it might inspire your kids to pursue a career in engineering or design. 
Occasionally, you might even fix the item by cleaning out the dust and putting it back together again. I learned that from my dad. He decided to take apart his broken snowblower. He took photos at each step of the way. He cleaned all the parts. He put new oil, and the snowblower has worked ever since. There are also activities uh, called take-apart events, where people gather lots of broken electronics along with screwdrivers and other tools. It's a great idea for school festivals, scouting events, robotics clubs, and more. I did a whole podcast episode with the do's and don'ts of take-apart events, which you can check out at trashimagination.com. I also have a Pinterest board filled with ideas of what to make from disassembled machines and electronic waste. Hello, I'm Tara Dubiel from the blog I Dream of Simple. I was one of the guests for episode number 40 called Mindfulness for Modern Families. In that episode, I talked about how even the busiest moms and dads can fit in a mindfulness practice by incorporating it into activities they're already doing. This year, I have focused on making small changes in my life by completing a monthly simplicity challenge in documenting my experiences on my blog. I have focused on daily gratitude, exercise, the 30-day minimalism game, aka the men's game, dressing with a capsule wardrobe, and most recently, completing a 10-minute decluttering challenge for 10 days straight. I have decided to make my final challenge for this year a month of mindfulness. For each day of the month, I have chosen a small activity that will enable me to practice mindfulness throughout my day. The idea is to make the activity bite-sized and doable in about five minutes or less. My hope is to bring more mindfulness and calm to a traditionally crazy and stressful time of year. If you would like to create your own month of mindfulness, I have prepared a free calendar for you to download. By practicing mindfulness every day, we are working to develop a habit that will serve us and our families for the rest of our lives. Hi, my name is Jen Panero, and I blog over at HonestlyModern.com. I was on Episode 31, The Art of Saying No. And first, I would like to congratulate Stephanie on the success of the podcast and reaching so many great milestones. I wanted to share one recent success that we've had with respect to saying no. Um, Recently, my son came home from school and asked me why I hadn't attended his Halloween class party. And I explained to him that I was busy with work and wasn't able to make it. And honestly, he was a little bit disappointed. So particularly as the holidays approach, I knew that there would be more field trips and class parties and shows and projects and all sorts of things where these opportunities for parents to volunteer and come to the classroom would come up. So we had a conversation and we agreed that I would attend one field trip and one class party at some point during the school year. So that was a great compromise for us because it was a commitment that felt reasonable to me, but also um, a promise to him that I would get into his classroom and meet his classmates at school and things like that. So just wanted to share that. Like I said, as the holidays come up, I think lots of families are going to have opportunities for this. And it's really okay to say no to some of those opportunities and work with your kids and talk to them to come up with a compromise that, that works for both you and for them. Hi, everybody. My name is Kim Fuller. I was a guest on episode 40, and it was called Mindfulness for Modern Families. I want to leave you a great tip today around mindfulness when your child is in a really bad mood when you get home. (laughs) Chances 
chances are you've had a long day too. And when you arrive at home and your child is melting down or really having a hard time, instead of getting upset that you're not able to connect with your child or that your child's in a bad mood in general and you're just tired and can't deal with it, see if you can just sit quietly and hold your child in the space of whatever mood they're in without trying to change their mood or fix whatever's happening. But simply say something like, I can see that maybe you had a rough day and you're having a a tough time right now. I'm here for you. And just see what happens. Instead of engaging with, stop doing this, stop doing that, quiet down, pick up your toys. Just be present for them and yourself, of course, and see what happens. Hi, this is Rose Lounsbury, and I was a guest on episode number 17, Financial Freedom and Minimalism. And my tip is about how to declutter with your spouse and kids. My tip would be to be the change you wish to see in your house. I know that I've been guilty before of blaming my husband and kids for the excess stuff in our home, but whenever I take a step back and focus on my stuff and what I can do to positively impact our home, I find that my husband and kids just naturally go along with me. So be the change you wish to see in your own home and everything else will follow. Hello, Sustainable Minimalists. I am Kim Allman and my Labrador butter and I were featured on episode 40, Pet Parenting Done Right. Since our episode, Butter and I have continued to spread the idea of the Take Three for the Sea campaign into the forest by doing the Take Three for the Trees, where we pick up at least three items of trash every time we visit a forest. We are passionate about keeping our forest as pristine as possible. The most garbage we have picked up in one visit included 18 bags of bagged dog poop on the side of one trail. We would love to see the garbage you are picking up through using the hashtag take and then the number three for the trees. Our newest project has been focusing on Christmas and finding low-waste dog gift ideas. We are excited about some new sustainable cricket protein treats that Butter loves, having ideas of practical and budget-friendly gifts, and of course, looking at the impact of these gifts on the environment and our home space. Hey there, I am Anna Seawold, host of the Authentic Parenting Podcast, and I was a guest on the Sustainable Minimalist Podcast for the episode 26, The Inconvenient Truth Between Clutter and Anxiety. Big part of my work with parents and my teachings is educating parents about stress. I notice in my private practice that a lot of parents are overwhelmed these days. Of course, we live in a fast-paced, accelerated, time-starved, go-go-go, do-do-do culture, and that has its impact on our well-being and parenting. I have changed my life drastically in terms of self-care, as I call radical self-care, And big part of is identifying where my stress comes from, managing my stress by eliminating and reducing the stressors in my life. It's a four-step process. Instead of keep going, because that's the sense that comes with overwhelm, right? That there is not enough time and so much to do. I intentionally take a break. I know it sounds counterintuitive, but I intentionally take a break. 
That break can be five minutes, 10 or 15. When I come out of that break, the world is the same. My issues are the same. My to-do list is still there, but my perspective is different. Second, what I have been doing consistently is spending time outside every single day, regardless of weather conditions. And there's a lot of research on this topic. So tip number two, get outside and spend every single day at least 15 to 20 minutes connecting with yourself in nature. Number three, if you don't have time for meditation, for a formal sitting down meditation, I found taking little breathing breaks during the day very helpful. When I'm in the elevator going down, for example, or when I am about to pick up my daughter from school, or when I'm about to cook dinner, I intentionally pose and pay attention to my breathing. I do a few inhales mindfully and a few exhales mindfully, and that brings me into the present moment and it centers me. And number four is a body scan. I do a daily body scan in the afternoon that works for me very well. And again, that grounds me, brings me to the here and now and centers me. It doesn't take a lot of time, but I find it's really helpful for my well-being and my parenting. Hi, I'm Laura Durenberger of the Mindful Mom Blogger, and I was on episode 20 talking about zero-waste baby steps and episode 39, making time for your why. And before I get into my tip, I wanted to quickly say a congrats to Stephanie on 50 episodes, and I can't wait for the next 50. So my tip today is accepting what is. And this is something that I've been working on all year. I'm going to give you a couple examples of how I've applied it in my life. So my first example would be, say my family and I have had a super busy day, and we end up getting takeout for dinner. Now, takeout produces a lot of waste, and that usually has me feeling pretty guilty. So in the past, I'd beat myself up about it and have lots of mental clutter, and I was thinking that I was making that feeling go away. But in reality, I was just making it worse. So with my new tip, I simply just accept that I'm feeling guilty and maybe talk about it with a friend or my husband, and I just tell myself that I'll try again tomorrow. And anytime that guilt comes back up, I again just say, hey, I'm feeling guilty about this. And just by simply accepting that instead of trying to fight it, it takes the power away from the emotion and that mental clutter. So for my next example, uh, this is, I think is applicable for this time of year, uh, say I'm feeling really anxious about my long to-do list. So instead of trying to make that anxious feeling go away because I'm uncomfortable, I just accept that I'm feeling anxious and that it might be uncomfortable for a while. And just by doing this, it puts you into react mode instead of reaction mode, which gives you the power to decide what you want to do. So maybe I decide I want to do a quick moment of mindfulness. Maybe I go for a walk, do some self-care, and then I'll be ready to tackle that to-do list. Again, it doesn't make the feeling go away, but it it minimizes the power it has. And this would be versus me feeling anxious about my to-do list. And then I'm feeling anxious because I'm feeling anxious about my to-do list. And now I'm feeling overwhelmed because I'm anxious and I still have a big to-do list. So that's my tip. Just accept what is. It has really helped me uh, just minimize that mental clutter and just be able to, again, be in react mode instead of reaction mode. 
Hi, I'm Julie Wimpersinger. I was a guest on episode 20, Zero Waste Baby Steps, and I talked about living a zero-waste lifestyle. In that episode, I talked about how the best first step to becoming zero waste is to look at your trash can and see what kind of trash you're currently producing. My tip for you now is to become more aware of the trash you're producing outside of your home, whether that's at work or school, on a shopping trip with your kids, eating out with friends, or just driving around in your car. Look at what single-use products you may be using when you're out and about and think about how you can make a more sustainable change. I've learned that it's not that difficult to give up the convenience of single-use when I'm at home, but out in the world it can be so much harder to say no to creating waste. Hey there, I'm Allie Owen. I was the guest on episode 25, Not Keeping Up with the Joneses, where I talked about saving 70% of my husband and I's income in order to live a life more aligned with our values. After traveling the country in our converted Sprinter van for six months, we've recently settled outside of Aspen, Colorado for the winter. Lately, I've been learning that the whole point of minimalism and living a life aligned with your values is that you have more freedom. By intentionally living with less, we don't fall into the consumerist trap that leaves us burdened with debt and obligations. So with this coming up, I encourage you to be intentional about what you buy, where you buy things from, and really aligning your spending to your values. If family members expect gifts, maybe suggest a restructuring of the gift-giving responsibilities where people draw a name from a hat or do something similar to what Stephanie is doing and take a family vacation, which aligns with valuing experiences over stuff. Hi, I'm Ashley Logston, founder of Mama Says Namaste, and I was a guest on the Sustainable Minimalist Podcast, Episode 36, Minimalism for the Home, the Head, and the Heart. This is an important subject, as minimalism is so much about a mindset approach of getting intentional about what fills our lives in every way. With the hubbub of the holiday season, it can get stressful and overwhelming navigating gift-giving and obligations, and it's an important time to take a breather and focus on what really matters. My advice to you is this. Just like minimalism is about so much more than just a clean countertop, connection with others is about so much more than simply the words you communicate. Get to know your family on a deeper level and be willing to invest in what matters. As we think of gifts this holiday season, maybe it's not about one more toy or that big Disney trip but creating the opportunity to get to know one another. Create a family vision. Dream with your family about what that looks like and what is most important to each of you. Look for opportunities to truly meet each other where you are, creating space to listen, to touch, and to create together. Invest in more than a one-time gift. Get intentional about honing in on long-lasting growth together by doing a family project learning more about your personality styles, creating homemade gifts together, and making memories with game nights and more. Take a deep breath and remember what's important for you this holiday season. Do a brain dump of all the to-dos and get them out of your head and onto paper. And then choose one thing to start with. When you break it down into little steps, it gets much, much easier. And if you remember that one most important thing of family connection— You'll find that it's easier to say no to the obligatory things while saying yes to focusing in on the ones who make your world go round. Namaste. Hi, my name is Laura Brassi. I was on episode 46, Sweet Simplicity During the Holidays. I blog over at ivoryandpine.com, which focuses on the intersection of self-care, 
mental health, simplicity, and intentional living. As I'm in the middle of the holiday season, I have absolutely been thinking about simplifying my own self-care. Something that works really well for me is simply to focus on one small easy thing per day for my mind, one easy thing for my body, one easy thing for my soul, and one easy thing for my heart or emotions. And those can be very simple. Um, for my mind or intellect, it might be learning a new thing. It might be taking medications for my mental health. It might be practicing a skill. Um, for emotions, it could be being a therapist. It could be talking to a friend. It could be engaging in intimacy with a partner. It could be anything. Um, for my soul, it might be connecting with nature or the divine or connecting with myself. Um, and for my body, it could be rest nutrition, hydration, exercise, um, or some phys- something physical like a massage or bath. I try to remember that self-care needs to be realistic and needs to fit into our lives. And so I would never recommend to go do something expensive and extravagant every day or even every week. I try to do easy things every day, something a little bit more special once a week, and something uh, one level more special once a month or so. That might be something like the massage. Um, and all of those put together help me to have a balanced life with self-care included and part of my daily routine during the holidays, which can often be a very busy time for many of us. Hi, this is Karen Sochi from The Serene Home. And this is Kristen Ivy from For the Love of Tidy. And we are the Spark Joy Podcast. We were on episode number 22, Debunking KonMari Myths. And my focus today is on getting a good night's sleep. I have found that getting a good night's sleep has made such a difference. And so I'm really putting a lot of effort into making sure that I get to bed at the same time pretty much every night, that I'm trying to wake up naturally, which isn't always possible, but it sure makes a difference. And I have a great quote that has really made a very big difference in how I view sleep. And the quote is, the bridge between despair and hope is a good night's sleep. And that's from E.J. Crossman. And I have found that to be so true. And my tip is all about applying Kanmari and the art of decluttering to the space of vision boards. I found it really helpful to take a look at the process of vision board making, which has been something I've really enjoyed over the years. But mine was in need of a bit of simplifying. So now I have a rotating vision board. It's more of a bulletin board style instead of the cutting and pasting that I used to do for hours. There's a lot less images. They're a lot more intentional. And everything is really simple and focused around major life categories like relationships and health and finances and spirituality, career and community. This has helped me really lean on what sparks joy and not get distracted by too many ambitions and too many goals. Really have a singular focus that's clear and intentional and will lead me to abundance in the new year. And so there are our tips. Congratulations, Stephanie, on your 50th episode. Finally, we are on to act three, a look ahead to the future. 
In the new year, I am talking with Evelina Uterdal, the Earth Wanderess, a serial traveler with a ginormous following who has made the decision to never, ever fly by airplane again. I'm talking with Rob Greenfield, the environmentalist who loves extremes, about his endeavor to grow and forage all his own food for an entire year. Just think about that. And next up, next week, is an interview with the one and the only Joshua Becker of Becoming Minimalist. We'll be talking all about holiday clutter, all about his new book, all about minimalism as it applies to every aspect of our lives. If we aren't friends on social media yet, let's be friends. The next 50 episodes are going to be even better than the first 50. Reach out, say hello. I look forward to seeing you next week. Take care.